and isn't that true? That in our fountain filled with blood is offered by Christ, and we, we praise His holy name. Uh, if you would now, you can stay, sit, you can sit, you can say standing, I, I don't care what you do, we're going to sing another song, and it's going to be on the screens, and you can sing along with it, uh, <laughs> or not, uh, and, uh, but it's another great song uh, about Christ, uh, we'll sing Christ the Sure and Steady Anchor. <clears throat> Storms that we endure. 
Christ is our, our sure and steady anchor. He is our only hope in this life. We will make it through this life, not because of who we are or what we've done, but we will make it through this life because of Christ and Christ alone, and if we hold on to Him. Now, let's go ahead and take a few minutes of, of fellowship before we get to the sermon.
All right, if you've got your Bibles with you, turn with me to Matthew chapter 24, and we're going to be looking today at verses 7 and 8. And we know now that Matthew 24 and 25 is Jesus taking us into the future and showing us what God has planned for the future of the world. And I, I think that it's not just future for us here. I think that as, we've, as I've studied this, as I've preached this, I believe that we see that a lot of these things are happening right in front of our eyes. These things are a present reality. This has more meaning to us today, I believe, than any other generation in the history of the world. I've listened to a lot of, read a lot of old preachers and how they preach this. And we are closer to the return of Christ and the end of the world than we've ever been. So these things are a present reality, not just a future that we're looking forward to. These things are happening in front of our eyes. And we're seeing these things come true. And that's why I wanted to slow down and take them one by one. I wanted us, and I think you, you want it. I think you do. Nobody's told me to, to speed up at all. But I think that we all need each one of these things, these signs of the end of the age. We need them carefully explained. We want to know these things. We want to see these signs. I, I don't want to rush through them in, in one sermon, six signs in one sermon. I want to go one by one and, and see each one so we can have a good understanding of what's going on in our world today and what will happen in the future. So today, Jesus gives us another sign. This is the third sign. We'll be halfway through the signs of the end of the world. And this, this sign here, Jesus takes it to a, another level. I think each one of these may ramp up a little bit and take it to an even worse level than it was the last one. This one I would call the scariest of them all. And I want you to see today, I titled the sermon, The Coming Catastrophes. Because at the end of the age, there will be disasters in the world at an unknown, unimaginable level. So we need to see that today. We need to look at the coming catastrophes. So let's stand together. I'm going to, I'm going to keep on reading. We're going to keep building. I'm not going to read just verse 7, which is where we'll focus today. I'm going to read verses 1 through 8, and we'll just zero in on the last part of verse 7. But starting in verse 1, and this is the Word of God, and we love it, and it's authoritative, and it's sufficient, and we preach it. So starting in verse 1, it says, And Jesus went out, and he departed from the temple, and his disciples came to him for to show him the buildings of the temple. And Jesus said unto them, See ye not all these things? Verily I say unto you, There shall not be left one, here one stone upon another, that shall not be thrown down. And then he said upon the Mount of Olives, The disciples then came unto him privately, saying, Tell us, when shall these things be? And what shall be the sign of thy coming and of the end of the world? And Jesus answered and said unto them, Take heed that no man deceive you. For many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and shall deceive many. And you shall hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you be not troubled, for all these things must come to pass. But the end is not yet. For nation shall rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom. And here's our focus today. And there shall be famines and pestilences and earthquakes in diverse places. All these are just the beginning of your sorrows. So we'll stop there. Let's pray together, and we'll look at this last verse here, the coming catastrophes father we thank you for your word and for the truth it gives us that we get to go really into the future and see what's coming god we expect your return and as we wait we want to know what to expect while we're expecting so god thank you for revealing these things to us help us to study them help us to carefully explain them to understand the events that's going to happen and take place. Help us understand not just what will take place, but what's going on in our world today. And God, prepare our hearts for it. 
I think that's the main point of the whole passage. is isn't just to get a, a good understanding of the future events, but to have our hearts prepared. And God, my fear is, and, and it is a great fear of mine, that the church is not prepared. And I don't mean our church. I just mean the church at large is not prepared for the coming events. They're not prepared for the coming catastrophes. So, God, my prayer is, and this is, this is my desire for our church, that you would prepare our hearts for each one of these things. For the deception that we talked about a few weeks ago and, and the, the death and destruction that we saw last week and then the disasters that we see today. Prepare our hearts. Point us to Christ, who is our sure and steady anchor. And we ask and pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. They say, and this is a common statement, and I know you've heard it before. I've, I've heard it all. I, I hear it everywhere I go. But they say the most important issue facing our world today, and, and it's not just the most important issue facing our world today, they say it is the greatest threat that, that mankind has ever faced. So again, this is what science, scientists tell us, this is what the government tells us, this is what the media tells us, this is what you'll hear on every news channel, this is what you hear from most universities, they'll say that the greatest threat that has ever faced mankind is climate change. You guys didn't know I was going to go there, did you? And they say, and even our politicians say, that the most important issue facing the world today, or facing our country today, is, is climate change. They say that that's the greatest threat to our world. They say that global temperatures are rising. This is what they say. I read it last night. They say the global temperatures are rising. They say that's going to bring wildfires and hurricanes and disasters and heat waves and all these things, if we don't stop it, will lead to the end of the world as we know it. That's what they say. You've all heard it. You're sitting there saying, yeah, I've heard that. Some of you even believe those things. And, and that's fine if you want to believe those things. It's, it's okay to be wrong. <laughs> and because they say these things, I want you to get with me. I'm, I'm joking, but I want you to get with me on this. Because they say these things are happening, we have a, a massive effort in our world to save the planet. That's what everybody's trying to do now. At all costs, we have to save the planet, not just for us now, but for future generations. That, that my children and my grandchildren are going to need a planet to live in, so we must, we have to save the planet. At all costs. We have to act now. We have, I read an article last night that said we have at, 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 at most three decades left. So we have to do some things. It's a call to, to urgent action from our, our world. They're, they're, they're sounding the alarm. We have to stop the planet from being destroyed. They say that we need to do things like quit driving cars, <laughs> or at least get an electric one, charge it up like you do your phones. They say we have to quit eating meat. Good, good, I mean, you can try as hard as you want, but I'm not stopping that. They say we need to start things like just very slowly have meatless Mondays, and then make it into Tuesdays and Wednesdays, and you've got to stop it because that, that's ruining the, 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 econ or the uh, ecosystem. They say you've got to quit using hairspray. All these things to try to stop the planet from being destroyed. All these things to try to try to keep it from from uh, ending at some point in the near future. That, that, that's what we hear. That, that's all they're saying. But I, I'm, and I'll say this just to to get us going is that we live now because I think they're wrong. I don't think they're wrong that the planet is going to be destroyed. I think they're wrong that we can save it. I think we're living on a dying planet. I think it's a, a cursed planet. I think that our planet that God created is going in the, the wrong direction. That we are not evolving, we are devolving and going down. We're not going upwards, we're going downwards. And it's not God's plan for this planet to be permanent. And there's nothing we can do to stop it. Amen. 
That one day our planet will dissolve. One point, one day the world will end. John MacArthur said, if they think humanity is wrecking the planet, just wait till they see what Jesus does to it. Because it's going to come to an end, and it's not going to come to the end at man's hands, it's going to come to the end at Jesus' hands. And we're going to see that today as, as we look at this. I, I want you to, to get into Matthew 24. That Jesus tells us exactly what's going to happen in the end. We're not going to save the planet. Jesus didn't come to save the planet. He came to save sinners. Amen. So we're going to see this. He's at, he's at the top of the mountain, of, of the Mount of Olives. And Jesus has asked the question. And again, we keep setting the scene. He's told him he's coming back. He's told him he's going to return. And they look at him and they say, tell us about the end and your coming. What's it going to be like? And Jesus gives six signs here of His coming and of the end of the age. And He's saying here in each one of these things, I want you to look for this. I want your eyes to be open to this. I want you to to be aware of these things that are happening because as that builds, the end is coming close. Here's what to expect. Here's what to uh, prepare for and and to look for. And this next sign that He gives, again, to me is the, the scariest. It's talking about the globe. This isn't talking about last week with, with wars or the, the, the week before with deception of false teachers. This is the globe. And it's almost like as we look at this, that at the end, our globe, that Jesus is going to take His mighty hands and shake the globe like it's a snow globe. I love snow globes. We're coming upon the season of Christmas and, and Steph will put those things out and, and I, you can't walk by one without grabbing it and doing And as you read this, and as you read into Revelation, it's almost like at the end, Jesus takes the entire globe because He upholds all things by the word of His power. It's all in His hands. The song says He's got the whole world in His hands. Right now He's protecting it. Right now He's upholding it. Right now He cares for it. Right now, if He was to take His hands away from it, it would all fall to pieces. But in the end, it's like He takes, and you'll see it, it's like He takes the whole world. Just shakes it all. And I'll tell you at the end why he does it. It's like he's trying to wake the world up right before the end. So we're going to look at this today. Unspeakable worldwide disasters. It will be unimaginable. It will be painful. This is the scariest one we've covered so far. The whole planet will be turned upside down. So let's look at it. Becoming catastrophes. I've only got two points for you today, but everybody loves to joke that two points for me turns into a whole lot longer sermon. But I only got two points for you today. I want to show you first the earth-shaking sign, and then I'll show you second the eye-opening sign. So start with the earth-shaking sign. This is an earth-shaking sign because he says there in verse 7, at the end of verse 7, we, we, we covered last week nation rising against nation and kingdom against kingdom. And, and now we get to, and there shall be. And so these, these, these things will happen. There's no stopping them. I don't care if you stop using hairspray. I don't care if you stop eating meat. I don't care if you, if you got an electric car or, or if, even better, you start riding a bike everywhere you go. I, I don't care if every nation in the world says we're going to, we're going to do, we're going to come together and we're going to stop this climate change. These things are going to happen. There's no stopping it. Watch this. And that's not a politically correct thing for me to say. But it's true. Look what he says. And there shall be. There will be. There's, there's no stopping this. And he gives us a list here of, of famines. At the end, there are going to be famines. That's a, that's a catastrophe. That's a disaster for there to be a famine. And he says at the end, there's going to be pestilences. Which is, you guys know what this is. I'll, I'll cover it in a second. Diseases. Plagues. Sicknesses. And then he says, earthquakes. And then Matthew 13, 8, same sermon. 
he adds, there's going to be great trouble. Luke 21, 11, so again, same, same sermon says there, there will be fearful sights or, or terrors or terrorism. And there'll be great signs in heaven. These are all catastrophes or disasters that's going to take place in the end. I'll go word by word through this and just, uh, you guys know what these things are, but it says there, and, and we're, let's just go word by word through it. It says, and, and all these things must come to pass for the end is not yet. Verse 7, and there shall be famines. Food will be limited. There will be massive food shortage in the, in the whole world. You won't be able to get it. You won't be able to drive to McDonald's and get you a Happy Meal. You won't be able to go to Food City and, and, and go through all the shelves and grab exactly what you want. And, and, and I've got picky things that I love. And, and at the end, I, I think about it. This is why it's so scary. I won't be able to go to Food City and, and get my coffee. Steph, we need, to, we need to get all kinds of coffee right now. Let us prep. I need a room in my house just for coffee. Let's start growing beans. You won't be able to get it. It says there's going to be famines. There's going to be droughts. Let's go down to pestilence. There will be disease and, and plagues and, and sickness that will spread uh, not, that will spread throughout the world. That's what, that's what it says. And then he gives us earthquakes. That the ground beneath our feet will begin to shake. That uh, bridges will collapse and buildings will fall and roads will not be able to be traveled and power will go out and all of life will be shut down by earthquakes. That's what he says. The, the, the word earthquakes here, you don't need to me to tell you this, but I just want to sound really smart. It's a word seismos in the Greek. Nobody said, wow. <laughs> Earthquakes. In all kinds of places, it says. And Jesus says, and, and I, I'm just going to go down through here. Jesus says that this is a sign. That you need to watch out for these fearful sights. And, and you need to see for, look for disasters around the world. That you need to keep your eye out. And when you see famines, you need to say, oh no, the end's approaching. And, and when you see uh, earthquakes and you hear of earthquakes in all kinds of places, you know, oh, okay, here's a sign. Here, here the end is on its way. And when you, when you see of, of all these things, the, the disease, oh, the end's coming. The end's on its way. Well, I just need to be open to these things. Jesus says it's a sign. Keep an eye out for these things. And I know what you're thinking. You, you've thought this every week. You're very smart people. But Josh, these things have always happened. We've always had famines. You go back to the Old Testament, they talk about famines and droughts. We've always had earthquakes. I mean, earthquakes have been around for, for all time. The, the world is a, is, a, is a shaky place. There's always been diseases, right? We, we know that. There's always been famine and drought and, and, and hunger. Whole societies have been wiped out. Mayans, the Mayans, who, who everybody goes and sees the ruins. You know what wiped them out? Famine. There's always been disease and plagues. I looked some of them up this week. The Black Death in the 1300s killed 60% of Europe. 60%. That means 40% survived the Black Plague. The flu in the early 1900s killed 40 million people. There was a cholera that went around in England in Charles Spurgeon's day. And I've read about this. You guys know I love Charles Spurgeon, but this is what he said about it. Cholera was, was killing people all over the place. Left and right, they were dying. And Charles Spurgeon said, I felt it my duty to be on the spot at a time of such disease, death, and sorrow. He said, if there ever, if there ever be a time when the mind is sensitive, it is when death is all around. 
He said, I recollect when I first came to London, how anxiously people listened to the gospel. For the cholera was raging terribly, and there was no one scoffing at that moment. Everybody was listening to the gospel. So we've seen smallpox and measles and bubonic plague and black death and cholera. Every generation throughout history has had its own plague. And we've got our own. Then it says earthquakes. There's too many of those to mention. The world is a shaky place. So how in the world is this a sign? That's what you're asking. If this stuff has always happened, then how is this a a sign of the end? That that Jesus is on his way? That it's almost time. How is this a sign? Well, down in verse 8, let's look at it. He says, all these things are just the beginning of sorrows. This is just the start. You've heard me say this. All these things are just the earth's contractions. Like a woman giving birth, she'll have a contraction here and a contraction there. And and maybe they're 30 minutes apart or maybe they're they're an hour apart. And as it gets closer to the, the arrival of the child, the contractions get worse and worse and worse. I said it a few weeks ago, it's almost like as you get to the end, all hell breaks loose. And then the baby arrives. That's what he's saying here. All these things are going to happen in the, in the 1300s and in the 1500s. You'll have, you'll have a plague and, a, and an earthquake and, and you'll have a drought and, a, and all these things that are happening and pestilences uh, happening all over the place. And, and then it'll get closer and closer where at the end, all hell breaks loose on the world. All those little ones were just like the earth is in labor and, and, and there's been 2,000 years of, of mild contractions. So don't overreact each time you see one. Overreact when you see over and over and over and over. We watch for it not to happen once. We watch for it to build over and over. For it to escalate. Because it'll get worse. It'll intensify. The worst is yet to come. We ain't seen nothing yet is what they say. Verse 21 says that in the end, watch this, you can look right at it. For then shall be great tribulation such as was not since the beginning of the world to this time. No, nor ever shall be. The final years of history will be nonstop worldwide disasters on a level the world has never seen. It'll be everywhere. It'll be all over. Unprecedented scale. The Richter scale won't be able to, to determine the size of the earth, earthquakes that's coming. I've read yesterday that the largest earthquake ever registered was 9.5. There will be nowhere near what's coming. It's going to escalate to the point where the whole wide world will be a disaster area. And you say, what will that look like? (laughs) Let's take a trip. We did it last week. We did it the week before. I want to take a trip. I want to go into the future and show you exactly what it's going to look like. I want to take you to Revelation. So so move over with me to the book of Revelation. And, and you can hold your spot in Matthew 24, but just go over to the last book of the Bible, to Revelation. And I heard a preacher say this week that Revelation is the most Christ-exalting book in the entire Bible. In this book, we see Christ in all of His glory. We see Christ in His judgment as He's pouring out the judgment on the world at the end. So Revelation chapter 6, I want to show you the, 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 the future, what it's going to look like. And I'm going to, again, I said it last week, I want to say it again. Here's a warning for you. This is ugly. This is not a pretty sight. If you're squeamish, don't get on this ride. Revelation chapter 6. I can show you how it works with Matthew 24. This is me teaching you some things, but if you look in verse 2 of chapter 1, it says, And saw, and I saw, behold, a white horse. He that said unto him had a bow, and a crown was given unto him, and he went forth to conquer and, to con- and, and conquering. 
And that's the deception of false teaching that we talked about. Then last week we saw the, the red horse that came and, and took away peace and there was war. That's the destruction that we talked about last week. And then this week you look at verse 5 and watch, starting in verse 5, it says, And when it opened the third seal, I heard the third beast say, Come and see. And I beheld in a little black horse, and him that sat on it had a pair of balances in his hand. Here's our first disaster. You say, what's the balances? Watch this. And I heard a voice in the midst of the four beasts say, A measure of wheat for a penny. And three measures of barley for a penny. You say, what's that? They're balancing out what you can eat. Putting it on the scale. Give me, it says there, watch this. It says, give me a, a measure of wheat. So you're going to put a, a, a bit of wheat on the scale, and then you're going to say, I need a penny's worth. Which means you're not getting a whole lot. So there's wheat on the scale, and there's, you're going to put a penny on the scale, so it balances out. So I'm, I'm paying a penny for a little bit of wheat. Just a measure of wheat. So you've got poor people walking up at the end of time in a famine, in a drought time, and they're barely getting enough food to eat. They're barely getting enough wheat to eat. They're barely getting enough, enough barley to eat. Three measures of barley for a penny. Boy, it says, see thou hurt not the oil and the wine. So the poor people's not going to have anything. Barely getting wheat and barley. And the rich people, they won't be hurt. They'll have all the oil and wine they'd ever want. There's a famine in the land. Look down with me at verse 12. Same chapter. And I beheld... When he opened the sixth seal, and lo, I like that, and lo, there was a great earthquake. And I even put in my notes here, wow. There was a great earthquake. This is a, the word there, mega. Not just a regular earthquake. This isn't a 9.5. That's a regular earthquake. This is a mega earthquake. Watch what it does. The sun becomes black has a sackcloth of hair and a moon becomes blood. You say, what does that mean? There's your signs in the sky. Commentators say this is probably a volcano that is spreading ash into the sky, that the whole sky turns black and the moon turns into red. Signs in the sky. Keep, keep reading with me. And the stars of heaven fell into the earth like a fig tree casts their ultimate, untimely figs. You say, what is that? Meteors? falling out of the sky like apples fall out of a tree. Like somebody going up to a tree and shaking it and apples falling down everywhere. It says the sky will be falling with meteors coming down. Disasters all over the world. Keep reading. The tree casts her untimely figs when she is shaken of a mighty wind. You say, what's that? What does an earthquake cause? Tsunamis and tornadoes and hurricanes. Keep reading. And the heavens departed like a scroll when it's rolled together and every mountain and every island were moved out of their places. The mountains are crumbling. Islands are moving and sinking into the water. Sounds to me like Jesus is taking the whole globe and just shaking it. Now watch this. Verse 15, this is the wow moment for me. And the kings of the earth, those people who probably had the oil and the wine, right? The kings of the earth and the great men and the rich men and the chief captains and the mighty men and every bondman, there's their servants, and every free man, they hid themselves in the dens and in the rocks of the mountains trying to escape and hide. No house is going to protect them from the judgment that's coming. 
and said to the mountains, they're talking to the mountains and to the rocks, verse 16, fall on us and hide us from the face of Him that sits on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. He's judging us. Fall on us. We'd rather die than face His judgment. They should be crying out, save me! But instead they're crying out to die. We're living in a world today that would rather die than cry out to Christ to be saved. Verse 17, and I'll close. For the great day of His wrath has come. And who shall be able to stand? And that's just the first earthquake. Just the first one. We're just getting started. This isn't the end. The end has not, hasn't come yet. You say, well, where's the next one? You guys ask great questions. Revelation chapter 8. Just, just, just watch this. I mean, this is, this is, Isaiah told me the other day when I was going through Revelation, he said, that's hard to understand, isn't it? I said, it's not. It's not if you just read it. You don't have to take, go too far with it. Watch Revelation 8, verse 1. I don't want to read the whole chapter, but I, I, I want to try to do my best. It says, and when he, when he opened the seventh seal, and all these seals, and all these bowls, and all these things, it's just uh, different judgments being poured out. When he opened the seventh seal, there was silence in heaven for half an hour. Did you see that? Silence in heaven. You can hear a pin drop in heaven. You say, why? Because everyone in heaven is anticipating and expecting the next round of judgment upon the world. Verse 5. And the angel took the censer and filled it with the fire off the altar and cast it into the earth. And there were voices and thunderings and lightnings and an earthquake. And the seven angels which had the seven trumpets prepared themselves to, to sound. And the first angel sounded and there followed hail and fire mingled with blood. And they were cast upon the earth. And a third part of the trees was burnt up and all the grass was burnt up. There's no growing any food if the trees and the grass are gone. It's like a desert now. So what will that cause? If there's no growing of food and if there's no trees, then what's that cause? It causes a famine and a drought. There's no food to eat. There's no store. There's no drive through McDonald's. There's nowhere to go. All the growing and all the, all the things that you count on are gone. Let's keep going. And the second angel sounded in, in verse 8. And it was a great mountain burning with fire. It was cast into the sea. This is like a, a, a meteorite that's coming to the sea. Watch this. It's like, like the size of a mountain. Just keep watching. And the third part of the sea became blood. And the third, because you're sitting there saying, okay, you know, I don't have any, you're preparing in your mind, I, I do, okay, if I don't have any grass to grow anything, no trees to get anything, and there's no crops, I'm going to go to the ocean and I'm going to catch me a fish. I probably need to learn to fish. Don't, you know, I need you to teach me how to fish so I can get, get some food. Watch what happens. And verse 9, and the third part of the creatures which were in the sea and had life died. Can't get anything out of the sea. Drought. And then it goes on and says, and a third part of the ships were destroyed. There's no shipping of food. If anybody can get food, if anybody has food, and you say, send it over here. The ships are destroyed. You can't get it anywhere. There's a drought and a, or there's a famine. Verse 10. I'm just going to keep going. 
And the third angel sounded, and there fell a great star from heaven, burning as it were a lamp, and it fell upon the third part of the river. And you say, well, if the oceans are dried up, if it's blood, and if everything's dead in there, I'll go to the freshwater rivers, and I'll get me something out of there. Third part of the rivers. And upon the fountains of the waters, you can't go there now. There's no place I can find food on the planet. That's the third part, so it's very, very scarce. The shelves are empty. People will start rioting and looting and dying. And the name of the star, verse 11, is called Wormwood. And the third part of the waters became Wormwood. And many men died of the waters because they were bitter. You can't even drink it. Johnny's talking about water this morning. There's no water to drink. He asked how much water you consume a day. Trying to figure out 10 gallons, 100 gallons. I said, well, I'm, I'm drinking at least 10 gallons of coffee a day, so there's, there's my water. <laughs> Verse 12. The fourth angel sounded, and the third part of the sun was smitten. So now even the, the solar system's thrown out of whack. Where the seasons are, are not what they are. They're, they're off. He said, I'm going to grow something this season. Well, that season's not what that is. And it's dark and there's no, there's no sun. Just, the sun was smitten. A third part of the moon and a third part of the stars. And, and a third part of them was darkened. And the, the day shone not for a, a third part of it. And the, and the night was likewise. Even the, the seasons are thrown off. Understand this. The seasons will go as they're supposed to go until the end. I thought I'd get an amen out of that one, but I was wrong. Verse 13, and I beheld, and I heard an angel flying through, and that, that would be the word eagle, flying through the midst of heaven, saying with a loud voice, woe, woe, woe to the inhabitants of the earth by reason of the other voices of the trumpet and of the three angels which are yet to sound. There's more to come. I could stop the sermon right there and say, this is the judgment of God that's going to come upon the earth. Ain't no riding a bike instead of a gas-powered car that's going to stop it from happening. And if I were to hear, whoa, 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 the end of my sermon would say, today, 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 you need to turn to Christ. You say, Josh, are you done? No. Turn with me to Revelation 16. Maybe this isn't an amen sermon, but it's preparing us for what's to come. Revelation 16. I'm probably going to read the whole chapter here. <laughs> and it says in verse 1, And I heard a great voice out of the temple saying, this is Revelation 16, To the seven angels, go your weights and pour out the vials of the wrath of God upon the earth. <laughs> and when I read pour out, it's like they're, they're carrying cups of the wrath of God. And these angels are going across the... And I, and I imagine in my mind, my kids bringing me a cup of coffee at the house and they always pour it too full. And they come walking to me and I know they're going to trip and fall. And they're just like this right here. Here, Dad. <laughs> the wrath of God, you know. It's hot. These angels are, are going around with, with these these. Uh, it says vials of the wrath of God in their hands and they're going around all over the world and they're, they're pouring it out. The wrath of God. Verse 2. And the first went out and poured out his vial upon the earth. You see that? There fell a noisome and grievous sore. There's cancer. Masses on people's bodies. Sickness. And fell a noisome and grievous sore upon the men. 
which had the mark of the beast, and upon them which worshipped his image. And the second poured out his vial upon the sea, and became as, and it became as a dead man. And every living soul died in the sea. It wasn't a third anymore, it's all now. Verse 4, And the third angel poured out his vial upon the rivers and the fountains of waters, and now they all become blood. And I love verse 5. I, I, I just you, you need to get this. And I wish I could preach a whole sermon just on this. And I heard the angel of the waters say, Thou art righteous, O Lord. Because there's people there saying, We don't deserve this. Why are you doing this? And maybe you're sitting in the pew right now saying, How could God do this? But watch what it says. He's righteous, O Lord. Which art and was and shall be because you've judged thusly. You've judged right. This is the right thing to do. You've warned and you've warned and you've warned and they've not listened. Now judgment has come. And then he says, For they have shed the blood of saints and of prophets and thou hast given them blood to drink for they deserve it. They're worthy of this. And I heard another out of the altar say, Amen. That's what that is. Even so. Yeah, I mean, that, 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 and Brandon was talking on the way back from Atlanta yesterday. He said, I need something besides an amen. Even so. Say, so, yeah, yeah, that's right. That's what he says here. Even so. I like that. Even so, Lord God Almighty, true and righteous are your judgments. You're doing what's right. Don't ever question it. I'm going to keep reading. <laughs> Just bear with me. The fourth angel poured out his vial upon the sun. And power was given unto him to scorch men with fire. Talking about a sunburn. And men were scorched with great heat. And instead of turning to God, they blasphemed the name of God, which had power over these plagues, and they repented not to give him glory. Who has power over the plagues? Not the government, but God does. It says that. Who has power over the plagues? I'm going to say this at the end, and I can't stop it. I'm going to say it now. All these things are happening around us, and we go on with life like nothing is happening. And God is trying to get our attention, and we're still not repenting and turning to Him. Follow with me. Verse 10, And the fifth angel poured out his vial upon the seat of the beast, and his kingdom was full of darkness, and they gnawed their tongues, for they were in such pain. And they blasphemed the God of heaven because of their pains and their sores and they repented not of their deeds. Say law. Turn with me. Stay there. Look at me with that. Let's see, verse 17, same chapter. We looked at the, this all goes together, but verses 12 through 16 was the the wars last week. But verse 17, the seventh angel poured out his vial into the air. And there came a great voice out of the temple of heaven from the throne saying, it's done. This is it. And there were voices, verse 18, and thunderings and lightnings. And there was a, I hope you're with me and you see that, a mega earthquake. Such as was not seen since men were upon the earth. So mighty an earthquake and so great. It's like a hundred on the Richter scale. I just want you to see this. I'm not even paying attention to my time. I want you to see this. Because it says, and there was a great earthquake, such as was not 
since men were upon the earth that nobody has ever seen an earthquake like this. And it doesn't just say it's a great earthquake. It goes on to say that it is a, a mighty earthquake. I mean, he's, he's like, it's, it's stressing this. It was great and it was mighty. And then he gives another one. And it was so great. Is he really trying to emphasize this? That this is, everybody in Los Angeles is afraid of the big one. This is the big one. And this earthquake isn't just happening in, in Los Angeles or in the San Francisco area. You've seen scenes of, of an earthquake in those areas and it's happening there. Or you see a, a hurricane in, in New Orleans or, or down in Florida and it's just those areas and it's, it's a disaster and there's trees falling down everywhere and their buildings are just crumbling down to the ground. And it's one city. One city that that's happening to. Watch this. Verse 19, and the great city was divided into three parts. That's Jerusalem. And all the cities of the nation fell. It's not just happening in Los Angeles or San Francisco or New Orleans or, or uh, wherever you want to see a, or a disaster. These things, earthquakes and famines and plagues are happening across the globe. That's the catastrophes. People talk about COVID. They say, is that a sign of the end? Out of all the plagues that I've studied and looked at, they're usually aimed at one place. Europe. England. The Spanish flu. Never has the world seen one on a global scale. That everybody's wearing masks across the globe. And yet we still sit sleeping in our world. And we repent not. Why aren't these sermons being preached? Keep going with me. It said, All the cities of the nations fail, and great Babylon came in remembrance before God to give unto her the cup of the wine of the fierceness of his wrath, and every island fled away, no more Hawaii, and the mountains were not found, no more Appalachians, no more Rockies. And there fell upon men a great hail out of heaven, every stone about the size of a hundred pounds. Now there's, there's your disaster. hundred pound stones coming out of the sky. That would get people's attention, right? <laughs> then they turned to God. Watch. And men repented to God? That's not what my Bible says. And men continued to blaspheme God because of the plague of the hail, for the plague thereof was out of this world. It was exceeding great. I can give you another one. I, I, this isn't in my notes, but I was reading it in, uh, right before I came up here. Revelation chapter 18, verse 4. I'm just going to read through verse 8. And I heard another voice come from heaven saying, Come out of her, out of her my people, that you, you be not partakers of her sins, that you receive not her plagues. This is a call to say, don't, don't be under the judgment of God. Don't be in the, the target of His wrath. Come out! Be not partakers of her sins. Receive not her plagues for her sins. I think this will, we'll get into this as, as the love of many grow cold and, and as sin gets worse and worse and worse. We'll talk about this in, in a... In a week or so, it says, for her sins have reached unto heavens, and God hath remembered her sins. Reward her, even as she was rewarded. Double unto her, double according to her works. In the cup which she hath filled, fill it to the double. I mean, 
How much she hath glorified herself and lived deliciously, so much torment and sorrow give her. For she saith in her heart, I sit a queen, and am no widow, and shall see no sorrow. Therefore shall her plagues come in one day, and death, and mourning, and famine, and she shall be utterly burned with fire. Why? Because strong is the Lord who judges her. Oh my goodness. I I said at the start of this, this reveals Jesus more than any book in the entire Bible. But this isn't the Jesus that people like to talk about. The Jesus we like is like a doll that I have in my kid's house. And then my kids have these dolls. Not the boys, obviously. The girls have dolls. And, and you, you have the pull string. And pull it out, it'll say something. Pull it out, and it'll say something else. And, you, you know, there's not a hundred different sayings. There's like three. And I feel like that's what a lot of churches and Christians and people in our world are doing to Jesus today. They have a, a pull string on Jesus. And he says, judge not, lest you be judged. Love your neighbor as yourself. You know, and there's just the same old things over and over and over. And they've never once turned to Revelation and said, Oh, Lord, is me. Here's what Jesus says is going to come in the end. Judgment and, and wrath. He's got more to say than just three things. This is shocking awe. This is terrible. And I can't even do it justice. You understand that. I just read these things. This is the judgment of God, and it is entirely deserving. It's real, and I believe beyond a shadow of a doubt we're starting to see it. It used to be, in my mind, how will all this work out? Now, it's easy to see. Disaster and destruction and chaos will come to our globe. Deception will come when one rises up and says, I now offer you hope and peace and food and money and safety and the entire globe bows a knee. Wow. Everybody will be scared to death. Here is what you can have. I'll take care of you. And they turn to somebody, the Antichrist, and let him take care of me. He'll keep me safe. Bowing the knee. Instead of bowing the knee and saying, He'll keep me safe. And those who don't bow, turn back with me to Matthew 24. I'm not going to get done. Matthew 24. We'll look at this. Those who don't bow the knee, watch this. Those who don't bow the knee, verse 9, then they shall deliver you up to be afflicted. And they shall kill you. And you shall be hated of all nations for my name's sake. You see that? You ain't going to bow the knee, we'll throw you in jail. You ain't going to bow the knee, we'll kill you. I'll give you another one. And then many shall be offended, and they'll betray one another, and they'll hate one another, and they'll tattle on one another. These are all signs of what's coming. I said at the beginning of the sermon, this is future, but this is a present reality. We're closer to this than we've ever been. And you say, what shall we do? Let me give you the last point. <laughs> I showed you the earth shaking sign. Now I want to show you the eye. You with me? Take this home with you. The earth shaking sign. Go home and get you a snow globe. The earth shaking sign. And then the eye opening sign. Right? I want everybody. I, I'm not going to do that. I was going to try to get everybody here to do this with me. I want to show you the eye opening sign because God always has a purpose in every one of these things He does. 
These things, these earthquakes, these famines, even the pestilences that take place on the globe are not random. God doesn't just say, oh, I'm going to let this happen. But they're always intentional. They're always purposeful. They always have a divine purpose. And we know what they are. We know it's the judgment of God. We know it's a sign of the coming. It says that. But there's one more reason that I want us to see that God does these things to open the eyes of the people in the world. We need to see that, that when God brings an earthquake or a tsunami or a hurricane or, or a, a COVID, He's always doing it to open people's eyes. You say, you're going to have to prove that. That God frequently uses disasters to get our attention. To wake us up, to shake us up, and to make us look up. I believe these signs and these disasters, they are called, even by insurance companies, acts of God. And it's God raising His voice like a preacher. That you have these things that happen, but this is God highlighting it, saying, hey guys, pay attention. And I can prove it. <laughs> you guys want to turn somewhere else with me? Yes, you do. Amen. So be it, right? Even so. Even so. <laughs> Good one. Exodus 19. I want to show you one. You're never going to let me go back to a preacher's conference ever again. Yeah. Exodus 19. This stuff is relevant. I'll get through this point real quick. Exodus 19. This is Mount Sinai. A signature moment in history I think everybody would know. When God shows up on a mountain to talk with Moses and give him the first written communication that God has ever given to man, it may be one of the most pivotal points in all of history. God comes down to meet with man. This hasn't happened since Adam and Eve. Exodus 19, verse 16. And it came to pass on the third day in the morning that there was thunders and lightnings and a thick cloud upon the mountain. And the voice of a trumpet exceeding loud, so that all the people that was in the camp trembled. And Moses brought forth the people out of the camp to meet with God. And they stood at the nether part of the mountain. And Mount Sinai was altogether on a smoke. It was on fire. Because God came down. The Lord descended on it in fire. And smoke thereof ascended as the smoke of a furnace. And the whole mountain did what? It quaked. How? How? Greatly. When the voice of the trumpet sounded long and waxed louder and louder, Moses spake and God answered him by a voice. God met with man. I think you know that. That when this happens and there's smoke and there's fire and there's thunderings and there's lightnings and there's shaking that's going on, God has something to say in that moment. God is giving man something that he's never given them before. And there's a violent earthquake. And, and Psalm 68 says this. Listen to this. The earth shook and the heavens also dropped at the presence of God. Even at Mount Sinai itself was moved at the presence of God. The whole mountain was shaking because God had something to say. Listen up. Eyes open. God's giving his word. Wow. You think God's trying to get their attention? Here's my law. Here's what I demand. Here's what I expect. You say, that's just one, Josh. You're going to have to prove it better than that. I can. Matthew 27. Three chapters over. About three months from now, we'll be there. 
we know that this one isn't Mount Sinai. This one <laughs> is Mount Calvary. And this is the most significant event in history. This is the greatest event in history. This is when Jesus Christ died on that mountain, not for His own sins, but for our sins. And in that, on that mountain, verse 45, and now from the sixth hour, there was darkness. <laughs> you can't make this stuff up. There was darkness over all the land under the ninth hour. It's like God's saying something significant is happening here. Pay attention. And about the ninth hour, Jesus cries with a loud voice saying, Eli, Eli, lami, sopnothani. That is to say, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And some of them stood there. When they heard that, they said, he's calling for Elijah. And straightway one of them ran and took a sponge and filled it with vinegar and put it on a reed and gave him to drink. And the rest said, let be, let us see whether Elijah will come to save him. And Jesus, when he cried again with a loud voice, he yielded up the ghost. And behold, the veil of the temple was rent in two, and the top from the top to the bottom, and the earth did quake. And the rocks rent, and the graves were opened, and bodies of the saints which slept arose, and came out of the graves after his resurrection, and went into the holy city, and appeared unto many. And now when the centurion and they that were with him watching Jesus saw the earthquake, those things that were done, they feared greatly and said, truly, this is a sign from God. This man is the Son of God. Is God trying to get people's attention there? You better believe He was. In all the places in all the world where everybody is distracted, get your eyes and your attention on Mount Calvary where the Son of God has just died in the place of ruined sinners. <laughs> God drawing attention and opening eyes, highlighting this event of all the events. God speaking up. You want one more event? I'll give you one more. I've got ten minutes. It's the final countdown. Matthew 28, just one chapter over. We'll be there in about six months. I'm aiming for Matthew 28 at Easter. I don't know if I'll get there or not. This sermon may not end by Easter. Matthew 28, verse 1, And at the end of the Sabbath, the Lord's Day, early Sunday morning, as it began to dawn toward the first day of the week, came Mary Magdalene and the other Mary to see the sepulcher. And behold, there was a great earthquake. What would happen here that God's trying to get everybody's attention? Gave the law in Exodus 19 crucified his own son for, for man's sins in Matthew 27. Here we are in Matthew 28 and an angel comes down and everything starts shaking. And it is the most significant event in history. Amen. And behold, there's a great earthquake for the angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat on it. And his countenance was like lightning and his raiment white as snow. And for fear of him, the keepers did shake and they became as dead men. And the angel answered and said unto the women, Fear not, for I know that ye seek Jesus, which was crucified. But here's the message that God is trying to shout through the entire world by the earthquake. He's not here. He's risen. Just as he said, come and see the place where the Lord lay. That's important. That's to be highlighted. And God did it and showed it through an earthquake. Don't you love that? Amen. The disasters come 
usually with the most important events in history. And God's trying to open the eyes of people. See the Ten Commandments. See the law. See the death of Christ. Preach Jesus and Him crucified. See that. See the resurrection. He's no longer in the tomb. He is resurrected. Everybody needs to see that. Now back to Matthew 24. I'm almost done. This is a sign (laughs) that shows us the world will not last. That's what it's saying here. But Jesus didn't come to save the planet. He came to save sinners. But if we really want to make it sound good, he didn't come to save the planet. He came to save his people. He's coming back. He will descend. We believe that. Everybody in here believes Jesus is coming back. And when he does, the whole world will be in smoke and fire. And the whole world will be shaken like a snow globe. And the world as we know it will come to an end. It will be the obituary of the entire globe. And there's nothing anybody can do to stop it. That's going to happen. That's the next event on the calendar. He's coming back. And when he does, and if he puts his foot down, everybody will know it. See this! So this tells us, (laughs) we better be ready for it. Christians, it's time for us to wake up and stop living for a world that's dying. It's time for us to wake up and stop living for a world that's crumbling. It's time for us to wake up and and see the sun and and pay attention and, and know what's going on and start living for Christ. We're seeing these things all around us. Amen, Josh. We see it. Amen. Earthquakes are on the way. It's going to be shook. Amen. There's plagues and pestilence and disease. Amen. Droughts on its way. Amen. All these things are happening. It's time for us to wake up and to start living for Christ. This world is is fading away. We live for Jesus. It's high time, Romans 13 says, to awake out of sleep. For the day is at hand. And for unbelievers, it's not a time to wake up. It's time to get right. Judgment is coming. I say judgment is here. I heard John MacArthur say this week that God is already judging America today. And there's no doubt about it. And America blasphemes God instead of repenting to God. Judgment's here. And everything I just read you should have you terrorized if you're an unbeliever. I'm not going to be here for those things. I'm a believer. If you're an unbeliever, you won't just get this stuff. Hell is infinitely worse than everything I just read you. So what do you do with it? God will send you to hell and he'll be just and right in doing so. True and righteous is your judgments. So I'll tell you what you need. You need a place to hide. You need a place to run to. And there's only one place, and it's Jesus Christ. You can't run to a mountain. You can't run. I'll say this. You can't even run to your house to get away from COVID to be safe. There's only one safe place in the world. Quote this. Put this on your social media. There's only one safe place in the entire world. And it's in in Jesus Christ. Run by faith to him. Our kids need a hiding place. You need a hiding place. I need a hiding place. So that when the judgment of God falls, 
I'm covered by the blood of Jesus Christ. It's the only way out. It's the only escape. So run to Jesus now. Run to Him by faith. The whole wide world is under the judgment of God and you have a hiding place in Jesus. I love that His arms are wide open and receiving sinners even today and you better run to Him while His arms are like this and not like this. You better run to Him while He receives you in grace and and it's not the wrath of God poured down upon you. There's only one hope, there's only one escape, there's only one hiding place, and there's only one place for any of us to stand in this evil day when the whole world is shaking all around us. We have a rock that we can run to, and His name is Jesus Christ. And this church is built on that rock. Our lives are built on that rock. My kids are shown that rock. There's room on this rock for Isaiah. There's room on this rock for Christian. There's room on this rock for you. That while everything's shaking all around us, our feet are steady. He's a sure and steady anchor. Run to the rock. Run to the only one, only place we can stand. The world needs to hear that. We're not, we're not taking our attention on everything else but on Jesus. The old song says, and I'll close with this, my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust anything else in the entire world. Nothing and nobody else but wholly lean on Jesus' name. On Christ the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. Let's say it one more time. All other ground is sinking sand. On Christ the solid rock we stand. Start of the service, we look to Christ. We sang to Christ. We preach Christ. We call all sinners to come to Christ. We love Jesus. <laughs> He's everything we need and more. He's glorious. He's good. He's gracious. He's kind. You can run to Him today and He will save you from your sins. And you'll have the same rock that we stand on. It's not just one tiny little rock. It's a rock that is so massive and so big that anybody who wants to can come. Whosoever will, get on the rock. It's the only safe place. Jesus is that rock. Let's pray. Father, thank You for Your Word. It is is wonderful. It is beautiful. Even the hard stuff. Revelation says that some of it's sweet, and it is, and some of it's bitter, and it is, but all of it's wonderful. And I thank you for it today. I do. I thank you for what it warns us about and how it prepares our hearts and how it gives us a biblical perspective on the days we're living in and the days that's coming. And I pray, God, for anyone in here who's not on the rock, that is Jesus, that they would come and they would place their feet upon the only safe place in the entire world, Jesus Christ. Please, God, work in hearts. I pray by Your Spirit You would go in and take a stony heart and make it fleshly and that people in this room would believe. They would turn to Christ. They would count the cost and they would live for Him. We need that now more than ever. And I pray for the Christians that we would wake up and we'd shake up and we'd look up and we'd live differently in light of the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. There's people that need to be saved. There's family members that are lost. And we need to live not for the silly things in life but for the serious things in life. So God, please make us serious. I pray for the churches in our area that that are just fiddling around with silliness, playing games, having concerts and dramas and shows and lights and smoke. That's not what the people need. They need Your Word. They need Your Son. Please, God, wake us up. Wake the church up. Wake the church up. Wake us up. Wake me up to the realities of what's taking place around us. And we ask and pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.